0: Kyrie Irving is a bitch. have breaking news as we welcome you to this 472nd episode of Unscripted with Mike and Chris. We are here. Hope all is well wherever you're listening today. The breaking news is for some reason the Brooklyn Nets and head coach Kenny Atkinson have, they're they're saying, have mutually decided to part ways. Um, The Nets right now are on track to be the seventh seeded team in the upcoming NBA's Eastern Conference playoffs, but think about it this way, folks. Uh, Kenny Atkinson took a team that had nobody last year, got them to 42 and 40 last year, which was good for a playoff position last year. Seventh seed, they were kicked out of the playoffs, uh, eliminated from the playoffs last year by the Philadelphia 76ers. But you think about it this year, a lot of expectations in Brooklyn. Obviously, they weren't going to see Kevin Durant this year because of the Blown out Achilles in last June's NBA Finals, but then they bring along that punk Kyrie Irving as well, and Kyrie Irving played a grand total of 42 games this year, and he is also uh, done for the year with season-ending shoulder surgery. I'm getting to believe here, the news that I'm hearing already here on Saturday morning is that some of the players did not like Kenny Atkinson, and I'm pointing that right at Kyrie Irving. I think this bitch has started to believe that he is bigger than the game itself, and when you come into the season when your stars are basically Kavis LeVert, uh, Joe Harris, Uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, what the hell did you expect from this team? And I think Kenny, now I'm biased to Kenny Atkinson because he's from the Greg Popovich coaching tree. He comes from uh, working with Mike Budenholzer in Atlanta. And uh, I think he's done a hell of a job under some trying circumstances for a franchise that just doesn't quite get it in the Brooklyn Nets. But regardless, Kenny Atkinson is out. He is being replaced on an interim basis by Jacques Vaughn, the former Kansas basketball star, also was at one time a two-year coach or had a two-year stint as the head coach of the Orlando Magic. And uh, again, the breaking news today is the Brooklyn Nets and head coach Kenny Atkinson have mutually decided to part ways after four seasons. And uh, again, I I like Kenny Atkinson. You come from the pop of the... the uh, Greg Popovich coaching tree, Mike Budenholzer coaching tree. And uh, I think he's done a really good, a really good job in a very tough situation. The Brooklyn Nets, uh, working for the Brooklyn Nets is not fun. It's not a lot of things. And uh, then you bring that bitch, Kyrie Irving, in here. Um, I, I'll, I'll just say this before I, I want to get on to the next topic, which is UFC 248 tonight in Las Vegas. But Kyrie Irving, a lot of people in Boston have said this year the reason that the Boston Celtics are better than they were last year was simple addition by subtraction, and that subtraction was getting rid of Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving is a bitch, and I don't have any other word to to explain it otherwise that he is a spoiled bitch who won a championship in 2016 on the coattails of one LeBron James with the Cleveland Cavaliers. That's all I'm going to say. But I think this is a poor decision by the, the Nets. I think they're expecting great things next year. And again, after missing a year, how long is it going to take Kevin Durant to get back to games, game speed and get him back up to game shape? And Kyrie Irving is always going to be a loose cannon. And uh, I think to win 42 games last year with this group of nobodies and to be in a playoff position, yes, they're below 500, but hey, To be in a playoff position in the East with this cast of characters, I think Kenny Atkinson deserves a better fate. But what the hell do I know? Um, I want to get Chris involved with this, obviously. As Again, as we welcome you to this 472nd episode of Unscripted from a very snowy Calgary today. The weather gods just don't know what the hell they're doing here. Yesterday, it was sunny. You could have played golf yesterday. I mean, there's still snow on the ground, so you technically couldn't play. But if there wasn't snow on the ground, you could have played golf yesterday. It got to as high as 10 degrees Celsius, Celsius, which in Fahrenheit is 52 degrees. Uh, today it's snowing, and it's been snowing all night. I think, the, I think God up here is partially a, an owner of a, a car wash dealership or a car wash uh, franchise or something. But the big news of the day is coming from Las Vegas. Um, A big main event that I'm hearing about, and I want to learn more about it. UFC 248 from the T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas tonight as I bring in the executive producer of our little program and our UFC aficionado, the guy that knows the know in regard to the UFC, our version of Ariel Helwani, Mr. Fluke. Give us an update on what we should expect from the main event from UFC 248
1: tonight from T-Mobile in Vegas. Well, that was quite the intro, Mike. Thank you. I mean, Ariel Helwani is—he's uh, like a six or seven or eight-time MMA reporter of the year. Yeah, but
0: I think you're pretty special.
1: Too. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. But ariel Ariel's the man, as far as I'm concerned. He's—he's he's pretty awesome. But anyway, yeah, I'm actually really excited about this main event. It's the last style bender: Israel Adesanya against the Soldier of God, Yoel Romero. And Yoel Romero, despite being 42 years old, he'll be 43 right away, I believe. He, uh, you know, he's just a scary guy. He was twelve and one. He has lost three of four, two to the amazing Robert Whitaker, but Israel Adesanya in his last fight knocked out Robert Whitaker. So you have to pick Israel Adesanya. It's funny because this really shows how uh, if someone hasn't paid attention to fighting in recent years or even the last twenty years, twenty five years, if you looked at these two guys, you would think that Romero would destroy him because Romero is this thickly muscled. Cuban guy and he just looks like he's a bodybuilder something looks like he could destroy anyone and he could destroy most people in the world. But Israel Dasania is this tall skinny kickboxer. Uh, He was born in Nigeria. Uh, He moved to New Zealand at age 10. So he considers himself from New Zealand and it's just a really interesting guy. I especially like him because he and John Jones don't like each other. So <laughs> because John Jones is a piece of shit, uh, so I'm going to assume that Israel Adesanya is not because he can recognize a piece of shit like I can. <laughs> so Israel Adesanya has been yapping he's lighter than John Jones and and smaller and everything. So it might be a bit tough. I mean Jones is looking at going up a division to heavyweight whereas he'd have to go down and John Jones already looks so skinny to me, I don't know. It would have to be Adesanya moving up to his weight class which is to me, really pushing it. But I would love to see those two fights someday. If Adesanya could knock out John Jones, that would be the best. But I think he will definitely beat UL Romero tonight. But UL Romero is one of those guys that even if he loses, you don't ever escape unscathed. Like you come out of that, even if you get the win, it's like, man, I really didn't enjoy that. I'm, I'm hurting and this guy hits hard and he's not fun to fight. So uh, it should be a great main event tonight. I'm actually quite excited for it. More excited than I am for most. Both guys are very talented, and uh, I'm cheering for Israel Adesanya. Uh, he's eighteen and O, and uh, he just he's he's one of the real future guys of the sport. Sometimes you see a guy actually like when John Jones first came up, and I didn't know anything about him personally, and you watched him fight. When you saw him, I remember my comment was about John Jones ten years ago. I said it looks like he's from the future. Like he was just more of an advanced, well-rounded fighter and that's what I get with when I watch Israel Adesanya he calls himself the last style bender for a reason he just he can just do it all he had an amateur kickboxing record of 32 and 0 now he's 18 and 0 in mixed martial arts the guy he's one of those special athletes who it takes a lot to beat him a lot and like you just you don't go th- 50 and 0 between kickboxing and MMA, unless you're some, you can't luck your way to 50 and 0. It just doesn't happen. So the guy is really special. I think he'll beat Romero tonight, but Romero's a tough fight, even losing three of four. But I, I, I would really highly recommend that people watch this fight. I, I know I've recommended fights before, often between two big heavyweights where I think they're going to throw bombs and could be fun. And sometimes those fights aren't that exciting. I have a hard time picturing how this would not be a really good fight to watch for anybody. So highly recommended viewing tonight between Adesanya and Romero.
0: Anything else on the on the lineup that you find intriguing, or we're just uh, pretty much hyped up for the main event? Yeah,
1: uh, pretty much the main event. Joanna uh, Jonjic is on there, and she's you know she was she looked like one of those types of fighters early on. She was undefeated for a long time, and was just steamrolling everybody, and then she. She just seems like she's not all there mentally, and now she started losing, and yeah, it's hard to figure her out, so her fights are usually entertaining, uh, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm not that excited. Uh, I am squarely focused on the main event, and beyond that, April 18th, we've got Habib defending against Tony Ferguson, and that is going to be a nuclear war, because that one, already, that was like, okay, who's the greatest, you know, lightweight of all time, And I said, I think Tony Ferguson is going to end the undefeated run of Habib, and I think he's going to kick his ass. And last night, they had a press conference, and it's pretty entertaining if you watch it. Uh, Oh, they were just jawing at each other, and it was pretty entertaining. Dana had to hold them apart. Tony Ferguson put his interim belt on the ground, and uh, and then a, <laughs> habib kicked it off the stage and like it's th- those two don't like each other and that is going to be not just for the title but for who is the greatest lightweight of all time there's no question about that it's one of those two but i honestly think and i i hate to say it against a guy who's nearly 30 and 0 but i think tony ferguson is gonna kick the shit out of habib really i really do yeah
0: that'll be interesting um a lot of things to talk about on this 472nd episode of our little program. Um, thanks to Chris today for making the trek uh, up to the Southwest today. Um, after seven weeks of living, and I can say this in a bomb shelter because I've been in a bomb shelter um, with the with the basement rentals. We are finally got rid of the contractors on Thursday of this week, and we're trying to get our lives back and. Made some progress last week, or excuse me, last night, and uh, hopefully by the end of the weekend we will be somewhere back in a sense of normalcy again. But I want to concentrate on a couple things happening in the NBA. Um, last night in Los Angeles, a possible NBA Finals preview. The Lakers ended up beating the Milwaukee Bucks 113-103 to 103 to clinch the Lakers. And This is hard for me to believe, really. Think about it. Um, the Lakers are synonymous with winning, um, 16 banners hang in downtown Staples center for all the championships they've won. But with that win last night, the Lakers clinched their first playoff position in six seasons. That just doesn't happen. You don't see a 25 year run like the Detroit Red Wings, but the Lakers have never had a span of missing more than two seasons in their in their career going back to Minneapolis and the Los Angeles Lakers. They've never missed the playoffs more than two seasons in a row. And during this little skid, they've missed six years in a row. So congratulations to the Lakers there. Um, I guess a good or a bad thing, depending on how you look at it, I don't feel now at 53 and 10 that the Milwaukee Bucks will get to 70 wins. And I think that might be a blessing in disguise. I think there's so much pressure on trying to get to that 70 level win and do what only the 96 Bulls and the 16 Warriors have ever been able to do, and that's accumulate over 70 wins. Um, the Bucs, to do that, have to go 17-2 and two the rest of the way, and I just don't see that happening. They still, just on this road trip alone, still have to go to Denver out West, and that's not going to be a piece of cake. They've still got Toronto twice. They've still got Boston twice in the Eastern Conference to finish out their season. So, Maybe a blessing in disguise. And there was also a real, real thing that John Horst, the general manager in Milwaukee, and of course Mike Budenholzer, the head coach, are going to have to watch out for. The Bucks last night, Giannis was outstanding playing on one leg. Giannis hurt his knee a little bit last night. That's a scare. But the Bucs still don't have that second banana. They don't have that second guy. They don't have their Anthony Davis to play a very, you know, but a second fiddle, if you will, to LeBron James. We don't have that in in Milwaukee. Chris Middleton last night, six for 24 from the field last night. Yeah. And that's why the Milwaukee Bucks lost by 10. They got it back to within five with five minutes to go last night. And it just became, it basically became one on five is what it was. Giannis had no help last night. The second leading score, Giannis had 34 last night. Second leading score was Dion, what's his name, uh, DiVincenzo from Villanova off the bench had 17 points. That was it. Um, so maybe a good thing for the Bucks that they can forget about this 70 nonsense and worry about. And I thought it was really telling. I have to say this um, in Wednesday night's telecast, Bucks and Pacers. Chauncey Billups was doing the color commentary for ESPN, and he made the he made the I think a, a really good observation. He was asked because he played on some great Pistons teams that won a championship and played for another under Larry Brown in the in the nineties. He said let, the 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 uh, in, the play by play guy asked Chauncey Billups, "What would you think?" is more important for the Milwaukee Bucks right now, to get to 70 wins or win a championship. And Billups said, this is easy. If you were to ask the 2016 Golden State Warriors, what's more important to them, winning 73 games or not winning a championship, well, I think you'd ask every man on that roster, they'd say winning a championship, because they won 73 games and what happened? They still lost. I think the most important thing for the Milwaukee Bucks is getting a championship. And if they win 68 games or 67 games and still win a championship, well then, pretty damn successful season. And the first championship that the Bucs have won since 1971. So Billups said, point blank, championship. Only two teams in the history of the NBA have gotten to 70-plus wins. Every team, every year, a team wins an NBA championship. That should be the goal every year. Um, something smart out of Atlanta is where I'm going next, as we say hi and welcome you to this 472nd episode of Unscripted. Something smart out of Atlanta, and you don't really hear that too often, sorry, Um, but the Atlanta Hawks CEO is a gentleman by the name of Steve Coonan, and he's come up with a plan, and I think it's brilliant, and I ran it by Chris before we came on air today, and Chris gave me the nod of uh, approval as well. I think this is a brilliant plan. I will read out in very broad strokes what Mr. Coonan's plan is, and then I'll have Chris comment. But I think this is brilliant. Taking advantage of going up against Major League Baseball in the summer. What's your competition there? Major League Baseball? There is none. So the Hawks CEO says, start the season in mid-December. Right now, the NBA season starts about the same time the National Hockey League does, in mid-December mid-October, and Coonan is saying, start the season in mid-December after college football, because college football is huge in the States, folks, you know that. Start the season in mid-December after college football has completed its regular season and has begun the bowl season. He goes on to say, with this, the league would avoid having to compete with the NFL's regular season, again, if you start in mid-December, You would avoid having to compete with the NFL's regular season as it does now for the first two and a half months of the season until the unofficial Christmas Day start to the NBA season. I think that's brilliant. A lot of people don't even know the NBA is playing until those six games on Christmas Day. The NBA Finals then would be, if you move it back two months, the NBA Finals would be played in August instead of June, allowing the NBA to dominate the summer months with just Major League Baseball and soccer And what else? Golf. Um, Moving the NBA Finals to August, allowing them to dominate the summer months and just Major League Baseball as major competition. Um, I want your comments on this, and mine are simply this. I think this is brilliant. I really do. Um, The WNBA isn't going to be happy, but in grand scheme of things, the NBA drives the WNBA. The NBA drives everything basketball-wise. And I think moving it back a couple of months, starting the season in mid-December, um, basic, maybe start the season Christmas Day. I don't know. But I like the concept. Obviously, the NBA Player Association is going to have something to say about it. The owners are going to have something to say about it. But this is this is a guy representing basically the ownership of the Atlanta of the Atlanta Hawks saying, let's move the season back. And I think, yes, very broad strokes, but I think this is this is thinking outside the box. And I think this shows, even as poorly as Jane Goodell's husband's league is, because of her husband, I think it shows the magnitude and how far reaching the NFL is, and people don't want to, and and leagues don't want to compete against the NFL. For the NBA, I think this is brilliant outside-the-box thinking, and I hope that the NBA at least takes a real serious look at this because I think in its broad strokes is a really good idea.
1: There is absolutely nothing wrong with this plan. It should be implemented immediately. There is no downside I can think of. Uh, The NHL would love it because they wouldn't have championship and like the exact parallel schedule. They'd get a couple months unopposed. Baseball would hate it because they're losing the summer monopoly that they have. But the good thing for baseball would be that they've got their championship at the worst time in October when they've got all four sports running. That's right. And so that would take away uh, a good chunk of their you know, attention that gets diverted right now. So that at least they'd have more eyes on the World Series potentially or more interest in it, at least more, hog- uh, more hogging of the media. Uh, this is just a brilliant thing. I mean, to me, basketball is associated with the summer. You know, why yeah. not Why not have it with the summer? The only reason to not have it for the summer and the only reason the players wouldn't like it is because they want their summers off. That's the only reason. But hey, you get paid a lot of money, so shut the fuck they up. They can fly wherever they want and have summer every day. Yeah, that's right too. Exactly. So yeah, it, it, it's a ridiculous uh, thing to not do it because of that, if that was the case. But this is a fantastic plan. I've kind of, I've never really consciously thought about it, but I know I've kind of wondered at the, like, why is it the exact same time as hockey and ice sport? Like it doesn't really make sense. And yeah, they should absolutely take advantage of... Being against baseball and just dominating the summer, and I love that because that would really hurt baseball. I could see Adam, <laughs> you know. Well, seriously, I mean, I, I know, I could, I know. Yeah, I'm right there with you. They deserve an ass kicking. So I, uh, I, I would really like to see Adam Silver acknowledge this and and take it under consideration and work towards it. I mean, look, we know he's the best commissioner by far in the Big Four, and he actually does stuff. And he, you know, he's trying to, he's willing to take chances and do new things like. You know, you can say you like or dislike his in-season tournament idea, but at least he's willing to do something other than status quo. Normally, these guys like Roger Goodell, they get paid, not only do they get paid in, like exponentially too much money, but they don't even do anything. Like, I wish I got paid tons of money to just do the status quo and just be a fucking stick in the mud and just like, oh, let's keep everything the same all the time and you know it's just unbelievable how bad they are so i hope silver looks at this like and it would be easy to implement too because if you were moving the season back it'd be tougher but now like you'd be the one year when you actually moved it forward you would just have an extra couple months to prepare it it actually works so it makes sense on all levels there is nothing wrong with this plan you said the broad strokes how about the minor details? I can't imagine there being much wrong with the minor details. It would be easier to schedule the arenas you play in because you're, not, you're, right. you're dominating the summer, and it's way easier for hockey to schedule their season. They, they'd love it. Uh, just everybody wins here except for maybe baseball and fuck baseball. Can you imagine if you're the scheduling guy at the Staples Center in Los Angeles yeah. when you're trying
0: to schedule the Lakers, the Clippers, the Kings, um, the, award does, shows... You know, Yeah, WNBA show. probably at some point. Or they, but they're, they're in the spring. Are they only the spring? Yeah, they're in the spring and into the summer in the WNBA. And maybe, I'm not sure about this, but I think, could be wrong, but I think the WNBA's Los Angeles Sparks still play in the old forum in Inglewood. Oh, do they? Okay. But I mean, can you imagine if you're the scheduling guy? I was thinking about that the other day about yeah, the Staples Center. If you're the Staples Center scheduling guy or girl, whoever that person may be, and there is a rank, like, this is funny the Lakers are the main tenant in the, in the Staples center followed by the Kings. And this is why Steve Ballmer is building his own arena out by the new Rams stadium in Inglewood, because he's tired of being the third tenant in the Staples center. So I think there's, there's a lot of good things about this and, and about your comment about Adam silver. I obviously I agree with it, but if teams are, are so worried about the NFL And competing against the NFL. Can you imagine if we had a competent commissioner running the NFL? How good it could be then? I mean, I am not a Goodell fan. I think James Goodell's husband is lazy more than anything because of, and I'm I'm totally on board with Chris's comment about him just staying status quo. Think the wheel is fine. Let's not oil it. Let's not grease it. Everything's working. If you had a more forward-thinking commissioner in the National Football League, I can't believe the places that the NFL might go. And I'm not talking about going to London. I'm just thinking about the different uh, revenue streams that maybe somebody could think of. Somebody a lot smarter than me, but I know a hell of a lot smarter than Roger Goodell. It's amazing. Just think if we could find an Adam Silver clone and make him the commissioner of the National Football League. The NFL has asked him. I know that as a fact. I read a story a couple of years ago from by Sam Farmer, who's a great writer of the Los Angeles Times. And he had written in a column once that the NFL has approached Silver twice about possibly coming
1: over and being the NFL commissioner. And he said no. Oh, man, would that have been great if he could have done that? That would have just been wonderful. And, uh, yeah, I wish that would have happened. But, yeah, imagine, never mind the big four, just the what I'll call the big three. So (laughs) hockey, basketball, and football. Fuck baseball. If you did this schedule change, other than a couple of weeks at the end of August probably, or, or maybe not even that, maybe even just a few days or it might only be a week or something, but I wouldn't even mind if it was a couple of weeks at the end of August because I'm doing so much prep for NFL at that time. But imagine if basically year round, you always have one of the big three running, if not two or three of them. Well, imagine that. I think
0: that's a great point. And I also think this is a good point that I think, and I'm hoping that the NBA thinks about if you're running Two, se- or two months later, with a heavy part of your schedule in, in the States, would be May or excuse me, June, July, and August. And in Canada, would be July and August. Kids are out of school. Mm-hmm. And it'd be a way to maybe have some matinee games or something like that to draw kids. Cause aren't we ultimately trying to make fans of the next generation? Exactly. And what a great way to do that when they're not in school.
1: That's a fantastic point. And it re- re- really is, especially nowadays, because as we've said, these sports uh, organizations are not just competing with each other. They're competing with all content. Mm-hmm. They're competing with Netflix and TV and just the internet and just YouTube, right? Absolutely. There can, like it's it's uh, it's a war for eyeballs out there, and you know what? Uh, this is a great way to do it. I mean, a lot of kids like bas- like basketball because it's a very accessible sport. Yep. You know, everyone can kind of have a basketball and go to the go to the local yep. you know blacktop surface there and and shoot some baskets or whatever. There's basketball hoops everywhere, and so I think that that's a really good idea. And you get these people into because I think less and less, you know, we're getting less masculine children in a uh, politically correct society and we're getting less interest in sports because there are so many other things and so I think it's very important to get these guys going young and install what we took for granted before I mean previous generations loved even baseball because that's just there, there wasn't a million other things to do it's like you either like a sport or I don't know what else, uh, maybe you're super into just being a doctor or something, but I mean, that's it. And so it's a it's a rapidly changing world. There's always so much competition for people's attention and eyeballs and money. And uh, I, I know it was, it was a great point you made, but the more we think about it, I think the more we'll realize how profound a point it is. And I think that at some point, it might almost be essential to, for the NBA to really dominate the summer and really be available there for eyeballs and for people to go to the games, school children, everything. Like it's just, it might become almost necessary at some point.
0: Yeah. I, uh, I think that there's a lot of positives from this and it's coming from the CEO of the Atlanta Hawks. Who'd have ever thought, um, real quick before we get out of here on this 472nd episode of unscripted, this coronavirus thing is not going away. And, uh, John Hopkins, John Hopkins University. That's an unbelievably wonderful university. Brains beyond belief. They go to school at Johns Hopkins. They're based out of Baltimore, Maryland. They have banned fans from Division Three men's NCAA basketball tournament games due to the coronavirus concerns. So basically, essential personnel the teams the coaches the trainers the scorekeeper the referees but they're going to be playing basketball games in empty arenas um I, I i i preface that or i i i bring that point up because the nba has gotten involved and david stern or david stern oh my god he's dead uh adam silver has uh uh sent some information to the nba teams basically asking Um, about, you know, how we should handle the coronavirus moving forward amid concerns of the coronavirus. The NBA, there's Adam Silver, has asked teams to begin identifying actions required if they have to play games without fans. Somebody after last night's game in the Staples Center between the Bucks and the Lakers, somebody asked LeBron James about this. And here's LeBron's response. Now, I think LeBron James is the best basketball player on the planet right now, even though he's 35 years old. He's been around since he was 18. Um, he's third on the all-time, all-time scoring list. But LeBron still is from the hood. LeBron is still from Akron, Ohio. And he can build a brand new school in Akron for disadvantaged kids, and I, I love him for that. Maybe LeBron has to take a few English lessons in his new school. <laughs> Somebody asked him about playing games without fans. LBJ says, and I quote, nah, that's impossible. I ain't playing. If I ain't got the fans in the crowd, that's what I play for. I play for my teammates. I play for the fans. If I show up to an arena and there ain't no fans there, I ain't playing. End quote. LeBron, please. Please. Do not make yourself look like an idiot. make yourself look like the mega superstar that you are, not only on the basketball court, but with all your other Chris mentioned it last time we got together of all the different things he's got going on, his producer duties um his all these different shows, his show The Wall is back this week uh, on NBC all the different things that he's got going on he make he wants to make himself uh you know a social icon. LeBron, let me give you one hint, my friend. I love your game. I love, I love everything you stand for. You've done a great job raising your sons. Um, Bronny Jr. is on ESPN every night playing at Sierra Canyon High School in Los Angeles with Dwayne Wade's kid. But please don't use the word ain't in every sentence that you're saying because it makes you look
1: stupid. Well, don't use the word ain't ever because it's not a real world word and it... Because it's not a real... Let me say that again. I'm so dumb now. I can't, even, I can't even talk because you've made me dumb. Thanks, LeBron. You made me dumb. Uh, so you should never say the word ain't. It is not a real word. And when you own a school, <laughs> you have a bit of a responsibility to... Represent that school, (laughs) yourself, the black community, perhaps, whoever it is here, you have a responsibility to represent them well and to be a role model. And that's pretty good. I appreciate the sentiment you don't want to play without the fans there. And I agree with that because basketball and sports are not things we need to preserve for posterity. We have them there for entertainment because people pay to watch and show up to the games and buy tickets, and if they're not buying it, then we can just fold the league and that's it. So I appreciate that, but don't ever say the word ain't ever, please. LeBron, I did want to say briefly, too, about your last point there. Uh, So already, because the NBA is not a bunch of old codgers, you know, picking their noses in their offices... Uh, They've already announced that they're open to this idea of Steve Coonan. I love it. Right? So according to Evan Wash, the NBA's Senior VP of Strategy and Analytics, he said this to ESPN. We certainly have no issue with reconsidering the calendar. To Steve's point, you have to think about the other stakeholders. They need to get more comfortable with the finals in August rather than June, where traditionally the household viewership is a lot lower. But the flip side of the argument is there hasn't been a lot of premium content in that window. Notice he's aware of content being his competitor, not other sports leagues smart guy, which explains why viewership is lower. We're open to that. There's no magic to the season going from October to June. None of the ideas we are talking about now are new ideas. The question is not, are we just reacting to what's happening with ratings and what's happening with injuries or player loads or anything like that? It is a question of, can you make a better product? Well, wow. um,
0: I'm impressed to see that. Thank you for uh, enlightening me on that. The NBA has already responded to this, and that's why right now it is the best run league. By far. in uh, Of the big four that, that Chris and I concentrate on, the National Hockey League, the NBA, the NFL, and um, yeah, the other one run by Manfred. Um, we've got to run, but before we do, I do want to send out a quick shout-out shout out to the Wisconsin Badgers and their men's basketball program and head coach Greg Gard. Um, they started this season out 5-5, five and five, didn't look good, lost their second-leading scorer, Kobe King, who decided that he wanted to out of the Wisconsin program and he will play next year at Nebraska. There's mistake number one by you, Kobe King. Nebraska doesn't do anything well these days. I'm sorry. But regardless of that, Wisconsin had problems getting Mika Potter into their lineup this year because the National Communists against athletes would not allow him until the second semester started. So Mika Potter was not allowed to play this year. He transferred last year from Ohio State to Wisconsin. He was not allowed to play until December 21st. Since Mika Potter has entered the Badgers lineup and Kobe King has left the Badgers lineup, this team that was five and five after their first ten games is now sits at twenty-one and ten. They've gone sixteen and five and with their sixty to fifty six win over Indiana today, in Bloomington, Indiana, the Badgers have at least, at the very worst, earned themselves at least a share of the men's Big Ten Conference Basketball Championship with, again, with their 60-56 to 56 win over Indiana today. Wisconsin will at least tie for the Big Ten Men's Basketball Championship. And for all the people that told and wanted to tell Greg Gard to go screw himself and all this other stuff, all I'm going to say to you naysayers is go screw yourselves because wisconsin stayed the ship they did what they always do they just did it better and now they've won 16 of their last 21 games they're going to go in as the top potentially as the top seed in the big 10 men's basketball tournament next weekend and that is a great tribute to coach guard and that whole university wisconsin men's basketball program and for the naysayers Go root for Michigan or somebody who gives a damn because you people that wanted to jump off the Wisconsin ship should be ashamed of yourself. Every program goes through some ups and downs. I don't care who you are. Wisconsin proved that they've gotten through the rough times. And you know what? A program is always bigger than one guy. I don't give a damn what you think on the collegiate level. Um, Indiana State still survives today. Not very well, but they still survive today without Larry Bird from 40 years ago. A program is always bigger than one person. And the Wisconsin Badgers have proven that this year after not being able to be allowed to play Mika Potter, but then ultimately they lose their second-ranked score in Kobe King. And what do they do? They go on and win a share of the Big Ten Men's Championship in basketball in the Big Ten Conference. So congratulations to the University of Wisconsin.
1: Yes, congratulations to them. You know what? And I'm always happy when Wisconsin does well for you. And just, I know I keep going back to this, but this Steve and you've really got me interested in this story. I wanted to look up because you said, oh, I don't know if good stuff comes out of Atlanta. So I was half expecting to look him up and see that he's from Wisconsin <laughs> or something. Like, and so so I looked him up. I wanted to see, but no, he is a lifelong resident of Atlanta. Okay. And I want you to listen to this resume that he's got. So yep. this is not some, you know, and and I want to highlight this because we often talk about dumb executives or lazy commissioners or people who aren't qualified and are just lucky or their dad dad was something or they're just rich because their family or just bullshit. So this is great. And, And I don't know, maybe this guy had a rich dad too. I have no idea. But he's done a lot on his own for sure either way. So... Uh, He's a lifelong resident of Atlanta, Steve Coonan. He serves as the chairman of the board for the Georgia Aquarium. He's on the boards of Rubicon Global and the Fox Theater. He's an executive committee member of the Metro Atlanta Chamber of Commerce. He's a former sports business journal sports executive of the year. He's been named one of the 100 most influential Atlantans by Atlanta Business Chronicle, Uh, also Atlanta Magazine's most powerful people shaping Atlanta. Uh, was selected to the power list by t v guide and wait for it here's the one I like he before he said all this stuff he made entertainment weekly's smartest people in television well he's got my vote i love his i love his idea. I think the n b a
0: will study this and uh I think they'll make the right decision and um I just again the forward thinking of the n b a is impressive in this day and age of incompetency in regard to major sports the guys that are running these leagues. And I'm not taking a shot at Bettman. Bettman right now is my second favorite right now. I think Gary Bettman in his 26 years has done a lot of good things for the National Hockey League. My shot there is mostly to Jane Goodell's husband and to Rob Manfred of Major League Baseball. But um, I, I, I thought you'd be impressed with this. When I read it this morning, I was impressed with it. And I thought it needed to make the airwaves up unscripted. And I'm glad we talked about it. We've got to run on this 476th, uh, 472nd. I'm getting ahead of myself here. This 472nd episode of Unscripted. As always, we thank you for participating and hope that you continue to do so. Having said that, for the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Chris Fluke, I'm Mike Jansen. Until next time.